Pam here with Living Fit, and usually I don't do intros like this to my podcast and YouTube, but today's conversation has so much information I wanted to prepare you. We have Dr. Morales on today with his beautiful wife, Corey Morales, IFBB Figure Pro. It is a very long conversation that I was blessed to have, and I want you guys to get through the entire thing. So in the beginning, we talked to Corey, we talk about her journey into becoming an IFBB Figure Pro while being a wife and a mom and a full-time student and working full-time. And then we talked to Dr. Morales and why he chose plastic surgery, the most common procedures that he does. We talk about breast implants. We talk about tummy tucks. We talk about cosmetic surgery versus plastic surgery. We talk about breast plant illness. We talk about Botox. And then we also get to talk and take a sneak peek into their daily lives and their missions and his photography and all kinds of things. I wanted to make sure that you got to the end. If there's something that you're hearing that's not really resonating, just fast forward, speed it up, get to the end though. There is something in here for everybody. This couple is so inspirational. You don't want to miss this conversation. You want to like and subscribe here and share this with every Morales, Mr. and Mrs. Dr. Morales. It's a proper way to talk about this. Whatever makes you happy. I'm okay with, I'm okay with hey, you. <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to introduce you guys to my guests or to my um, listeners. So my guest here today is Dr. Morales um, and um, his wife, Mrs. Morales, which is Corey Morales. She's an IFBB mm -hmm. figure pro. And Dr. Morales is also an IFBB, is it classic physique? Yep. Okay. Classic physique. But that, okay. Before we got on, for everybody listening, for everybody watching, there is so much to this power couple. Okay. So I actually, I'm not going to lie. I just recently started following Corey about a year ago. Um, you guys that are listening, most of you know my story. I haven't been on the competitive scene for a long time. I am an NPC judge. So I do, I do value um, the IFBB and the NPC. And I, I love all the things. And um, my husband and I own a CrossFit gym. We're very involved in fitness. Um, but I just started following Corey about a year ago. So I'm like, where was she? Why wasn't I following her before? <laughs> so I started following her and then I saw who her husband was, Dr. Morales, which I kind of had heard a little bit about. He's the plastic surgeon in the fitness space, probably the most well-known. Um, so so that's, that's the first thing. They are an amazing couple. So those that are listening, um, they're IFBB pros but they run so many things. And I have pages of notes here. If you guys are watching on YouTube, I mean, pages of notes and I don't even know where to start. So we're just going to start with Mr. and Mrs. Morales as a couple, because your love story is so inspiring. Um, and I think it's the thing that I like the most about you guys, aside from your, all of your accomplishments that we'll talk about. Um, because I think, I think it gets lost really in this industry a lot and you guys are so genuine and there's so many branches of both of you that we'll kind of get into that you guys are just helping you, you, you're not about yourselves, but you guys just kind of just portray this love and this genuineness. So that's really, that's really what attracted me to follow and just kind of involve myself in your life. That's kind of how social media works, right? <laughs> um, so that's kind of cool. So let's talk about your story real quick, how you guys kind of met. Um, and maybe we'll go from there. All right. Well, I'll take that one. So okay. uh, we are high school sweethearts. We uh, met when I was 17. I took him to my senior prom. He was a little bit older, so he was actually already graduated, but, um, you know, dated through college, got married shortly after college, 
Um, we've been together through his medical school, through residency, through bodybuilding, um, you know, like all those stages of life. Um, coming up in May, we'll be celebrating our 20 year wedding anniversary and we're planning our like vow renewal right now. So um, we do legitimately actually love each other. Like it's not all <laughs> just for the gram. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. No relationship is perfect. We have our moments where we're annoyed with each other or whatever, but um, for the most part, we're really blessed um, to have each other and to have been doing this for so long and to have evolved as people um, and changed over time, but like grown through those changes, like grown together rather than growing apart through all of those stages of life. Um, and of course we have two daughters, so um, continue to pray for us. They're, <laughs> they're 17 and 14. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, that's a dynamic aspect of our relationship and our family life. But um, honestly, it's all good. Um, and yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so awesome. And, and, you know, and you can kind of, I mean, I guess I would like to say you can, you can kind of see some of the relationships that are for the gram. And that's not even really where I kind of even learned about your relationship. I actually, you know, looked at your YouTube, um, Dr. Morales, and really? got to watch some of the videos. And if you guys aren't on there, go to his YouTube, subscribe and watch some of the story. I mean, it's inspiring. There's lots of, uh, there's lots of, uh, you know, information, education on there, of course, but you have it all. It's all very well put together and you can really kind of follow along what you want to so you can pick and choose. But uh, there's a few five minute videos that I watched of your kind of your, your both of your story. And that was I mean, it's not for the gram. So I just want to tell you that it is inspiring. And I know that I have a seven year old daughter and a nine year old son and, and the daughter um, is definitely the one that makes me the most <laughs> nervous getting to those ages. Yeah. So that definitely is a dynamic. And um, so I guess maybe we'll we'll lead into that really quickly, uh, Corey, because I had some questions to come up from Instagram because I posted um, for everybody to ask questions. I have some Facebook groups and whatnot, uh, you know, from some of the competitors that I am friends with and in the community that we're in and even just some of our, our CrossFit community, you know, because we all like to work out and look good and <laughs> all that stuff. Uh, it was a kind of the balancing thing. So Corey, you're not only an IFBB figure pro, you also, um, you also are very smart and you have, um, you know, I saw that you got your pro card, uh, in you guys both did in 2019. Yeah. Um, but what's that? The exact same show. Yes, universe. I know yeah. the universe. I I did see. I do my homework a little bit, but I was telling my <laughs> husband, I'm like, that's not very common at all. Like right. that's awesome. Yeah. So cool. Uh, but but Corey, you were working, you were going for your pro card, which took you some time as mm -hmm. most people. Mm -hmm. And you have these young daughters mm -hmm. and you're also going, you were obtaining your MBA at the same time. Yes. Correct. <laughs> so the question goes, how did you do, how did you do that? How did you manage your time? Um, you know, to be able to, to, to do all you did, but also just kind of breathe, you know, I guess that was the big question for a lot of the girls was like, how do I do that? You know, cause you get so right. caught up in things. Right. So I will readily admit from the get-go that I was not getting enough sleep. Um, mm -hmm. And so sleep is so important. And I think the older I get, the more I read, the more I learn, the more I appreciate that. So I don't recommend necessarily trying to do it all uh but 
starting out, it was really just like you're saying, prioritizing and structuring the day. So my training came first in the day. If I got it done, then there was no way that I could miss out on getting it done. We had, like you said, I was working full time. Roland was working full time, but we had we were able to hire help that did things like, you know, pick the girls up from school. I could also ask that person to maybe pick up the dry cleaning, things like that. So I outsourced things at the time and every waking moment was productive and there was no period really of rest. And again, there is definitely a time and a place and a need for rest and recovery. I did not allow myself at that time. And I would be willing to say since I was laid off from my corporate job in 2020 with the pandemic, and I have since not returned to a full-time corporate job. I've taken fitness part-time as um, my my work and my love. I um, get more sleep. I do more with my family. I take more rest. I feel like my training has gone to another level because I have more rest. And my body, I feel like, shows that as well. So this year marks my 10-year anniversary in competing. Like you said, it took me several years to earn my pro card. And I think that was because I was spread pretty thin and trying to do all the things. And I just looked at it all as a challenge. When I was doing my MBA, Roland was very supportive of me because, again, we've been together through his medical school and his residency. And so it was his turn to support me because I had supported him. And you don't get that with every man and um, or every partner, every spouse. So took that opportunity to do that uh, for me, for us. And our girls, our hope has always been that our girls would see the hard work that we put in and appreciate that, even though at times, honestly, some of our time with them perhaps got sacrificed, but to see that it was for us pursuing our goals and that you know, it's important as a person to pursue your own personal goals. I mean, you got to be there to support your loved ones, but also, um, you know, to realize your goals as well. Yeah. Cause I think we all kind of get that mom guilt. Oh, for real. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. I don't think, does that ever go away? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Did you get dad guilt? You know what, you know, we've been together for so long. It's a, it's it's definitely a team (laughs) effort. Um, you know, her going through getting her MBA, that was probably the most challenging time we've, I think we've had together as a couple because people don't quite understand like this woman, like this, this woman motivates the hell out of me almost on a daily basis, just on how productive she is with her time. And during that time that, you know, really that, that, that year when she was doing her MBA, like every, every second was occupied of something productive. She never, ever sat down and like, played on social media. She never sat down and watched, you know, TV. There was no downtime. Everything was about, you know, doing things for the family first. Like she always take care of the girls and, you know, laundry or whatever. You know, I outsourced a lot of things just, you know, I was able to kind of afford it now. So I was sort as much as I could to help her out. And I had a full-time career as well. And I was also training, but we, uh, we try to minimize the impact on the, on the kids. We train her early in the morning when they don't see us, you know, they didn't ever felt us like not there. Yeah. Um, we were always there, you know, training together at the at 24 hour fitness at, you know, three 30 in the morning, um, together. Um, but we got to work out together and that's how I think it, we made it work is because we we're always doing things together. Like the training was together, our food, we food prep together. Like it was totally a team effort. So 
Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I started learning a lot on just uh, efficiency and productivity of time. And so I think uh, I've incorporated that, that more into my lifestyle. I feel like a slacker and I'm sitting around just kind of doing nothing <laughs> now, but, <laughs> and, and it's amazing. I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, that I've told her this too, is that, you know, she's no longer have a full-time career, but she is just as busy as she's ever been. And she finds things to do that are not just, you know, not that dumb. I mean, she's actually very productive and doing, doing great stuff. And so to see someone so busy all the time, you know, and I'm, I'm doing my thing and, you know, here, here we are together and we're, you know, our, our daughters make comments. How do y'all stay? Just y'all, y'all just keep going. Y'all just keep doing what you do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like it. I mean, it keeps yeah. me, keeps me excited. It, it gives us, uh, makes us appreciate the time we have with our girls when, mm-hmm. when uh, we get a chance to, you know, they, they're starting to have more of their own uh, personal lives. And as they become more social, work my oldest is working now and the baby is just a social butterfly and we're doing we, mm-hmm. everything we can to make sure she's you know <clears throat> carting around back and forth to our social events and yeah. you know we have uh we, we just uh we make it work yeah that's awesome and i love that you said uh that you work out that you did work out i don't know if it's anymore at 3 30 in the morning because i you know i i love that time i don't always wake up at 3 30 and I won't sometimes even share the time that I wake up sometimes with yeah. a lot of people because they're like, when do you go to sleep? And I'm just like, I am excited to get up for the day. Like I want to go work out. Like yeah. it's my time. And so right. you guys, listen, I'm not the only one. Uh, right. <laughs> I enjoy the time. And I, and yeah. you know, I, I appreciate um, your guys's busyness. Cause I I'm like that too. And I just have this mm-hmm. zest for life. And that's what I, like I said, that's kind of what I, really loved about you guys is you guys do that together and you can see your heart for people and your heart for each other. Um, so, so let's get in. So you guys got your pro card together, which is not normal for anybody that doesn't know about a lot about IFB pro cards. First of all, they're not easy to obtain. Secondly, um, I don't know if very many people ever get their pro cards together. And it sounds like, um, Dr. Morales, you kind of, you were bodybuilding and kind of along with her. And then you decided to compete after she was already competing. Is that correct? Or is that kind of how that worked? And then you guys, uh, you, know, together? you know, a little bit, you know, she, she, uh, you know, this is kind of a story for Corey. Of course, Corey, I'm not going to take anything from Corey, but she has this kind of, she tells a story. Uh, well, okay. So Roland did powerlifting in high school and we got into the gym together in college. You know, I started weight training with him then. And then it just, from that point on, it was part of, you know, who we were, and we continued doing that. And then whenever we were newly married, I saw some ladies in the gym where I was training that were getting ready for a competition. And so I was like, oh, that looks, you know, kind of cool. Like maybe one day I'll do that. But I knew we wanted to have a family. So I was like later and ended up when Roland got into private practice, one of his first patients was a personal trainer and a longtime bodybuilder. And so I was like, all right, now's the time. So jumped into prepping for a show with her and I was like, oh, you know, just like a lot of people, one, it's a bucket list thing. Like yeah. I'm going to do one. <laughs> Here I am 10 years later. And I you're over um, Peter, but I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, anyway, from there, I mean, that's where it went. I, um, I was not repaired, prepared for the rebound from that first show. Mm-hmm. It hit me hard. And then I was like, got to do it again to like get back some, you know, gain back some of this ground I lost. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was just, it became the lifestyle. And then Roland was like, okay, yeah, let's, uh, let's do well, this. He asked me to do it. And I like, right. Let's do this together. Cause yeah. he was still training, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so we did one together yeah. and then again, that was, yeah, I was hooked. Like, once I, 
once I saw it mirrored kind of my personality of discipline and sacrifice and just constantly see improvement over time, mm-hmm. I just really appreciated it um, even more. And just kind of, you only get one body and you know, it's what it's up to you and what you want to do with it. And um, I just found, a, I found it very rewarding to kind of score my body the way I wanted it to look like as you know, looked up to the previous bodybuilders of uh, who I looked up to like Dr. Uh, like Mr. Labrada, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Labrada, he, you know, if you ever get to meet that dude, he is just, he is, just an amazing human being. That's on my bucket list to meet him. I've actually watched a lot of his interviews. I watched your interview with him as well. Yeah, he he is um, an, a, a very special man. And um, anyway, I looked up to his physique and I mean, I, that'd be great. And you know, I was getting a little bit older, but I thought it was a, you know, something I wanted to try. And at that time, my practice, I, our kids were getting older. And so we, you know, we could able to, you know, not because they weren't babies anymore. They were mm-hmm. for the most part self-sufficient and I think we could make it work. And you know, Corey and I just did a team effort. We just, you know, trained together. We we prepped together, and you know, we had coaches. And that's so awesome. You know, and here you go, and that's and here we are, ten years later. <laughs> yeah, and and you guys uh, will you also sponsor the Olympia, correct? Mm-hmm. Both of you do. And well, that's that's what, kind of a that's kind of a me thing. Like when I got into mm-hmm. the bodybuilding competing, I, I noticed right off the bat, I'm like, wow, these. You know, my first one of my patient, my her first coach was a bodybuilder, and and I started noticing some of the the uh, the needs for some women who lose a lot of breast volume from the, just mm-hmm. the prep and inflation of their breasts and, you know, extra skin on their abdomen and, you know, having kids and their bodies change and they want to have a little more femininity and they choose yeah. augmentation or skin surgery. And that's what I do. Like, I can do that. Yeah. And then I, I coined this phase called the Fit Doc. And then so yep. I started kind of carrying the, the, um, the term uh, branding of Fit Doc and being the only plus surgeon. Uh, bodybuilder and I've uh, always endorsed uh, all my uh, shows here in Houston and you know in the state of Texas I support the NPC and then the next level I got introduced to the next level which is you know the national level in Olympia and then the Arnold and mm-hmm. you know I uh, also become a promoter with uh, Sean Ray who's one of the legends of bodybuilding so yeah. that's how I kind of evolved within the industry and I think you know no one's ever heard of me at least to kind of hopefully they've heard my name and associate you know the fit doc with uh plastic surgeons also a bodybuilder yeah yeah i think i kind of had heard your name floating around uh fit doc and then i pieced it together you know after i followed your wife there and i was like oh that's that's the, that's the kind of the same person there so you guys yeah. <laughs> together so yeah you definitely kind of had that name floating around so that's pretty cool i mean i i just think it's cool that you got to you know you get to kind of get back even if you don't plan to mm-hmm. compete um you're still kind of on that that side of things you know i understand that just from a very small scale of you know just being a judge and kind of just just i don't have any competitors i don't train competitors i don't have any dog in the race i'm a great judge because i just love the sport (laughs) Um, that is great well same here we we love the sport we love the people um Mm -hmm. you know i you know my new thing this year is i'm sponsoring uh, my patients who want to compete so yeah you know my my sponsor is really just to help them out you know i'm covering the registration and you know they go that they do the NPC shows here in Texas or when to go nationals, I'm, I'm right behind them, but you know, they're, they're my patients and they know they can trust me and they know they have my full, full support. So that's my, that's my way of kind of giving back to the sport um, and hopefully introduce, you know, more people to the sport because, you know, when you have women who've, you know, some have like my makeovers and those kind of procedures, they, their family is watching them go to the transformation and then they inspire them. And the next thing you know, their friends are trying it out and they're, they're dieting and they're training. And then, and that's how that's how the the, the sport kind of grows is you introduce people to the sport who've never even thought about it. Um, yeah. And I just think it's super inspiring. So that's that's my little thing of doing that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And 
Um, we're lucky. I'm in Michigan and we're um, lucky to have Andrea Shaw here. So she's the yeah. Olympia winner and she's a friend of mine. And she saw me when I first started bodybuilding, I was 18 years old. Oh, and wow. <laughs> um, she, so I was one of the first ones kind of in this, the, in our area. And uh, that's kind of like how we met. She saw my picture on a, on a wall. Um, I did an interview with her and I was like, I didn't know you said that. She was like, I want to be like her. I was like, you wanted to be like me. And I was like, what are you kidding me? Um, but she, she, I was on a, like a nutrition store, like in, in a, like a local store and it was a picture of my bodybuilding competition <laughs> there. And, wow. uh, but we happened to have her and like, she just kind of talked about giving back to the sport and how bodybuilding alone, it, I mean, it gets a bad rap for people that kind of don't understand it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a 1% of the world to be, to be honest, you know I mean? There's yeah. very few people, um, that are kind of in it to win it for the long term. And I, I think that I would place you guys there. Um, and I, you know, and there's so much And her and I talked about, there's so much more from bodybuilding than just the way that you look, it teaches you structure and all those things that you just got done talking about that you implemented in your life that carried into your careers that your kids get to mm -hmm. see. So even if they don't compete or the people around you don't compete, they get to learn how to eat and see the structure right. and see the rewards, the, the delayed gratification, Yes, I think that bodybuilding teaches us. And I think that's missing a lot right now, especially yes. Um, Especially in society. Yes. yes. And, you know, and I think increasingly it's, it's getting worse, but, you know, bodybuilding as a sport or even a hobby can, can teach you that delayed gratification and just, and just have this, like this community, this supportive, positive community around you. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's kind of sounds like, like you guys um, were doing that. So, so let me get into uh, there. So there were some questions for Corey about her kind of competing and how she obtained her pro card. Um, the, okay. The last question for Corey was mm -hmm. how, how much, and this is always a common question and, um, but how much weight would you let yourself gain in the off season and on season? Because you both are in very great shape. You look very healthy because you see some bodybuilders, you know, that go up and down and maybe they haven't found that kind of sweet spot. Um, but where, where do you kind of find yourself Corey in, in that kind of happy spot between competing? Great question. And as we all know, it's a mental struggle um, <laughs> mm -hmm. because um, we see what our body's capable of. We see ourselves at our leanest. And so, of course, we tend to be our own worst critic to nitpicking ourselves. And I want to give a quick shout out to my coach, Whitney Jones. She's amazing. And I would say once I started working with her, my accountability increased drastically and one, because of the person she is and how much I admire her. Also deciding to, I think it was really with her where I went to having a coach year round. Like previously, I you know kept it kind of seasonal, like prep um, time specific and tried to manage it on my own. But whenever I started to get more serious and I got with Whitney right before the year before I earned my pro card. So the year going into the, when I, and so it was just a mind shift for me that I was taking it to that next level. I wanted to be really serious. I wanted to really drive hard for my pro card. And so that's whenever I really started treating improvement season as a pro would. And so not letting myself sort of fall off the wagon too much. And as far as like hard and fast numbers, I would say that I try to limit my weight gain to 10, no more than like 12 pounds from stage weight yeah. in my improvement season. Um, and again, um, 
it's tough because you need to gain some fat. Obviously you need to eat more to be able to build muscle. And I feel like I have been constantly chasing the figure, you know, the ideal figure physique mm-hmm. for as long as I've been competing because everyone's growing. So it changes all the time. Right. Exactly. And so um, anyway, I say all that to say that I've, I feel like I've found more discipline, more structure, more accountability through the years that I've been bodybuilding. I didn't have it. Like I said, that first show I did, I rebounded really hard and was not prepared for it at all. Mm -hmm. And it's just gotten better over time. So. Yeah. And for my listeners, some of them that aren't familiar with competing, um, because again, I haven't been in that in. Right involved in the competing world outside of judging, um, that rebound she's talking about is kind of when you diet down for your competition and you get really lean and you dry out for the day of the show. And then you kind of put on some weight on unwanted weight, um, you know, without a plan. So I think, I think the world around that has kind of changed too. You know, I think there's a little bit more education, um, around that, but I think we all, I think we all that competed has gone through that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a rite of passage. I feel like you have to like experience it to know that like, that's what I don't want to do again next time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you yeah, yeah, you can't just go back to eating whatever. Um, Okay. Uh, So. So you said about about 10 to 12 pounds. And, and Mm -hmm. so do you plan to compete like a long time more or you don't really know? Or um, how's that? How's that look for you? We lost our light. Oh, one second. <laughs> well, he's fixing the light. Um, I would like to continue to compete as long as I feel like I can healthfully and doing two, maybe, no, you know, probably no more than three shows in a year. I feel like gives me a good opportunity to, because, you know, once you diet down, you're like, okay, I'm already dieted down. If you can do a few shows at a time and take advantage of that. That's great. Um, yeah. Assuming that you're, you know, getting good feedback about the physique you're bringing to the stage. And then um, again, but having that time off to enjoy life, mm-hmm. to let your body, you know, come back to a more normal, healthful place. I mean, we all know it's not super healthy to say super lean sure. constantly. That's part of the sport. And right. that's part of the sport that right. I think people, people hang on to um, that are that kind of speak negatively about it. It's like, we all know that that's not healthy. The the week of the show or three weeks before we, everybody knows that, you know, it just happens to be part of the sport. You know I mean? Football players get injured all the time because they right. practice and practice and practice, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's just another part of the sport. So yeah, it's yeah. just for everybody to understand. We, we all very well understand that that's right. Not, that's not where we, we, we can be at, although we feel good there. We love the way we look, but right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm 43. So as long as they continue to offer master's shows, uh, which I feel like is actually increasing because yeah, the people are able to more healthfully compete for a longer term. I feel like in bodybuilding, we've gotten mm-hmm. to a point where I think we're hopefully generally competing a little bit smarter. And, um, you know, we as masters are the ones with disposable income that can afford go to shows and, you know, travel and that sort of thing. And that, that's part of what Roland and I've talked about as well is making the shows that, um, that I do, you know, destination or trips as part of it, whatever. So I've put in my application for the master's Olympia. So we may be going to Romania this year. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm going to keep competing. Yeah. I feel like as long as I can do it, um, yeah. safely and I'm still enjoying it and having some measure of success in it. Very cool. And what about you? 
Are you going to compete anymore? Or what's that? What's that look like for you? Uh, man, it hurts me to say that I can't, I don't think I'm going to be on the stage any, you know, any, anytime in your future for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I love, love, love the sport and, um, I love being on stage. I love, uh, posing. I love, I loved everything about it. Um, but having, you know, it's a hobby for me and mm-hmm. I, I still train like a bodybuilder. I still eat like a bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, I compete through Corey, so I help her with her training. Uh, you know, I'm there every show she goes to. I'm going. I'm going, even if she tells me not to go. I'm going because <laughs> um, I, I get. I, I want to be with her. I know how to help her, right? Because I've done it. Yeah. You know, I know how to do the tanning. I know about. I understand the sleeping. I understand. You know, not get making your ton, your tan run. I, I, you know, I'm backstage with her and helping her pump up. Like to me, that that's me living and being on stage and. There's no one prouder seeing like other than her herself than me. I'm, I'm that idiot screaming in that and in the, in the audience. Honestly, you're probably more proud than she is. Um, my my husband, we've been we've been together for uh, 22 years. We've been married awesome. 11, and uh, he was with me my entire time competing from start to finish to awesome. to injuries to retired competing to all the things and. And I remember that. And that's why I, I'm like, man, these guys are awesome. And you can see it between you two. I mean, it just reminds me of my husband and myself and how he used to look at me, you know, competing. And, um, and I would remember just seeing him and people would say to me, I want somebody that looks at me like that. And I'm like, like what, you know, but you're up there and he was more proud of me, I think, than I was of myself. So honestly, you're probably even a little bit more proud to see her on there than <laughs> yeah. he is for herself because she's in the mix of it and she's doing the work and you kind of just, yeah. you're, you're a machine at that point, right. but you're in there and you're still in your awe and you're, you're and critical of ourselves in the yeah. moment. Like, Oh, I meant to do this and I didn't do that or yeah, yeah whatever. The case yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's cool. I think that, I think that that definitely serves a place too, is, you know, the, the husband or the spouse or, you know, the fan that comes along with you because, you know, Lord needs, you need that support, um, you know, when you're down and like you said, you're most critical. So I'm going to get into, um, a little bit of Dr. Morales, your, um, you are a plastic surgeon, obviously. Um, I've listened to some of your story and how you got into medicine, or not medicine, but surgery versus medicine after medical school. Um, and you, so if you want to share that, just really, you know, just, just real briefly, um, you know, kind of how, how you got into that, why you got into that. And then the questions that I had for you, one of the most questions um, pertaining to like the, the fitness industry was what are some of the the most common surgeries that you do for, you know, whether it's a physique competitor or like you said, maybe somebody that's lost weight and, and whatnot. So like, what are some of the most common? So where did you, how, why did you want to become a surgeon? Um, and then uh, what's the most common procedures that you see in your practice? Sure. So I have a, a kind of a, uh, I've always wanted to be a plastic surgeon, believe it or not. Um, Grew up uh, in, uh, you know, looking out to my dad. My dad is a medical sculptor at the Galveston Shriners Hospital, which is a children's hospital down here in uh, closer to Houston. And that's a charity hospital. And they only take care of uh, children who, under, who don't have any money and families don't have money to have reconstructive surgery, uh, burns, orthopedics. Um, so my dad worked with, with the burn children. Uh, he was a medical sculptor for 40 years, 40 years. 
and every child went through the uh, the uh, the medical sculpture division, which is my dad's division. Every child through four years, he touched every kid there, mm. and um, he worked alongside next to plastic surgeons, making silicone prostheses, making the pressure garments and silicone prostheses to control the burn scars for every child that came through that hospital. And so, you know, I grew up going my, I mean, I want to be my dad. So I would go to my dad's office in the summertime when I, you know, when he would let me. And I, I was just in awe, like everything he did, he was, you know, sculpting ears out of silicone. He was, sculpt, he was making uh, glass eyes. He was making noses. He was doing all these really cool things. And I, I thankfully I got my dad's artistic talents. And so I was, you know, he taught me, he showed me how to do things. And I was sculpting uh, ears and noses when I was like age seven. Wow. And I'm always sitting on the ground making uh making a, you know, doing a clay model of an ear and plastic surgeons are walking by looking at me because um, they're talking to my dad and they're like, you know, just watching me do this stuff. And you're going to be a, you're going to be a plastic surgeon one day. And that's what it, that's what stuck. Yeah. Um, and I was like, dad, I just want to be you. And he's like, you're going to be me and more. And uh, you're going to be a doctor one day. And he, he didn't care what kind of doctor it was. He said, you can be a dentist, you can be a chiropractor, you can be whatever. But he goes, you're going to be a doctor one day and you're going to be better than me. And so I kind of took what, you know, I want to do what he did eventually. But, you know, eventually at another high level, which is what plastic surgery is, it's a com combination of artistic sculpting and just you have an aesthetic eye for it. And I think those surgeons who have a little more artistic abilities are able to kind of show that in their work. And so I've, I've kind of held that, you know, to me close to heart and kept my head down, you know, I was a Hispanic, you know, in a, in a very white community. And a lot of people told me you're, you're not, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to be anything. And, you know, my parents always told me you can do whatever you want to do. You just, you just work hard and study hard and you can, you can do whatever you want. And thankfully I had my parents that told me that, you know, yeah. and that's what I did. I just went to school and my, my job was school and yeah. I wanted to get, you know, I didn't have any money to go to college. My dad told me you have three choices. You go to military and you get loans or you're going to work. Which one are you going to do? Which one are you going to do, son? I'm like, well, I'm going to get some scholarships. So I did that. And uh, and then I went to, I took the loans out. And so, yeah. you know, my job was school. Uh, you know, I paid for my, I'm still paying on my school debt. Um, and it was a totally investment, but uh, I treated it as a job and I got the best grades I could. And, you know, I'm very blessed to uh, go get into a very, very competitive uh, specialty in medicine is, you know, plastic surgery. It's at the time when I interviewed for a plastic surgery spot, there's only 78 spots in the nation. Wow. Um, it's really, really hard to get in. But um, thankfully, I, I was able to, to make it happen and did my, my residency in uh, Galveston where my dad was working. And oh, so I got to work alongside my mentors. I trained with my mentors who told me when I was a kid, I'm telling you, my mentors knew me when I was a kid, telling me I was going to be a plastic surgeon. And, and I just remember that first day I was actually working alongside one of my mentors. He was teaching me how to do uh, burn scar uh, contracture revision. Yeah. And uh, it was just, that just it gave was, me chills. That's so cool. Like how, how yeah. full circle that comes. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really one of those special days. And, um, you know, I have a picture of me and my, uh, one of my, my, my plastic surgeon mentors who told me I was going to be a plastic surgeon up on my wall right now in my office. And uh, my dad took that picture of me my first day. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So uh, so it kind of all started that planted that seed, those guys planted mm -hmm. that seed and you were you were involved in that. And you got to see kind of the impact because um, so you have to understand, like I'm retired bodybuilder, I guess you could say. Uh, and 
um, there's, so I'm kind of part of a wellness, like the wellness world where there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of negativity around some plastic surgery and, and whatnot. And there's, there's a balance, I think, between some of it, um, you know, but there's more to plastic surgery than just changing the way somebody looks. It's there. You're actually, there's actually people, I didn't realize it was so hard to get into, um, (laughs) you know, how competitive it was. I mean, coming from somebody that knows really nothing about plastic surgery, aside from the surgery that I had myself, um, you know, you don't really think about like (laughs) that it would be competitive to get into, but you know, you can change lives. Um, by, by doing that, you know, like you said, either whether, whether it's with kids or, you know, or whatnot, or even, you know, people that lose hundreds of pounds and, you know, change that skin and just feel so much better. Um, being, you know, in the fitness space for 25 years now, I've had lots of people have lots of skin and, uh, you just, you can't do anything about the skin. So that's where, like you said, you, you can come in. Um, you know, my, my, um, you know, my special, I've always wanted to be, you know, what I do. And I always saw myself as, you know, being in a uh, private practice and doing, you know, ideally aesthetic surgery. I find it very artistic. Yeah. Um, you know, we get trained in all reconstruction. So as reconstructive plastic surgeons, I, 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 I've literally touched every part of the human body and reconstructed it. Like that's my job. Yeah. That's what I'm trained to do. Um, and just aesthetic plastic surgery is just a, a very small facet of what I, I know I, what I can do. Yeah. Um, and I just enjoy it. I enjoy the challenge of, of uh, the artistry of it. I enjoy the challenge of, um, or the, I find it very rewarding to give back women some confidence or men give us confidence in their bodies and how they look and how they present themselves to society. Um, and I think it's very mm-hmm. inspiring. I, you know, my specialty as a cosmetic, as an aesthetic surgeon is breast and body. Like that's just what I, I do a lot of it and I enjoy mm-hmm. it from people who lost a ton of weight and you've seen these people in bodybuilding lost tons of weight, have tons of skin. Like you can't work that off. Yeah. Right. It's never to get tighter. It is what it is. You have baby, you have four or five babies, you get diced, your muscles separate in your abdomen. You, you have this fullness of your abdomen all permanently. You can't fix that. I can yeah. fix it. Yeah. Right. There's extra skin. I, I can, yeah. you can't, there's no laser. There's no magic cream. There's no red laser. There's no, you know, uh, waist trainer that's going to make your skin go away. Yeah. You know, ultimately, right. if it if it bothers you enough, you know, you have options of, of surgery to, to remove it and improve your contour and maybe you feel a little bit better about yourself. And I would say most women do, you know, who yeah. seek these surgeries do find they have a little more confidence. They stand a little bit taller on stage. They feel a little more feminine with a little more volume that they lost from pregnancies or just a lot of weight loss. And you can see it in their in how they present themselves, not just on stage, mm-hmm. but actually in life. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um mm-hmm. I think society has become more accepting, accepting of the, of aesthetic surgery and how we can help people um, build their confidence. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a really good point um, in building confidence. So I guess that would lead me to the question, do you offer or have your patients go through any type of like questionnaire counseling or anything like that to make sure that, you know, that's what they want to do um, to change? I mean, obviously they come to you and if you don't do it, then they might go try to find somebody else. Right. But, you know, do you, do you go through any process like that with patients? I, I could, I would probably say after doing this for 10 years, I have a probably a minor in psychology. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. I do. I, I, you get to know someone, I get a pretty good sense of people's personalities and their desires and their, what they expect out of the procedure and, or maybe what they have really no idea. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, there's a lot of information on the internet. 
Um, that's a good and a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but there's some people that, uh, that are trying to find, you know, this is where you see these on TV. These find these people that have just gone overboard and that's, that's not surgeons doing that to them. That is them seeking a surgeon who at some point, a, some surgeon just wants money and they're going to do it. Sure. And most often the case are actually not plastic surgeons or these so-called cosmetic surgeons. Oh. Um, it's a little bit different, uh, type of, um, I guess I wouldn't even call it accreditation. It's just a people who start doctors who just want to start doing cosmetic surgery. That's exactly what it is. But I would say most plastic surgeons who are trained, um, are going to have a counseling session somehow. And if they start having like, we call red flags of what they say about the procedure, you know, that we, you got to kind of dive into that, that psyche and figure out what is, what is uh, the driving force here? Is it healthy? Yeah. Is it healthy? Yeah. I, I tell Corey all the time, I turn people away all the time. Okay. Yeah. Like, Cause I, I guess, I guess that's I, I do what it, I would... I'm telling you, I do it all the time. Like I don't need your money. Yeah. I'm here to help you. I want to help people. I want to help people. I, I want happy people. Yeah. Like if you yeah. surgery on someone who really has unreal expectations or just, just being just, just ridiculous, they're going to be unhappy after surgery. And I, I don't, I, I don't, don't want to do that. You don't know, time I, for that. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, I want to, my patients, you ask my staff, like my patients are generally very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like working with them. I actually like them. So mm-hmm. that's one of my criteria to work with somebody that, you know, I have to, I have to kind of like you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good right. Criteria. He has to pick him too. They don't just pick him. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a choice. Yeah, like you have a choice in me. I have a choice in you. I love that. I, I love that so much. And I think um, back, backtrack just one second of what you said about kind of some of the unrealistic expectations. I mean, we've all seen like the TLC shows and the, the craziness and mm-hmm. you know that, and, and obviously that's, you know, a very small percentage. It's just, unfortunately gets a lot of, a lot of press because it's different. Um, but, but what about, I saw you post the other day and I I'm big on this. I shared this maybe a couple weeks ago is the filters on, you know, on Oh, was that today? Okay. Um, I did it. Yeah. I did a few, maybe last week or so I kind of put my face like on a picture of four different pictures and it was just like a no makeup face in regular, like bathroom lighting and it, I mean, oh, it just I looked like yeah. fine. and then, but then like the one I'm like, oh my gosh, like my lips were, I mean, I didn't really think it looked that good, but it was very much kind of this, this skewed mm-hmm. image of what people were looking at, you know, like just big lips and eyes were slanted. And, and then there was like a freckle one and there, you know, so it was, and there was one with regular makeup. And I mean, is that kind of, is that pushing towards you? Are people kind of, are you seeing that unrealistic expectation? Like, where is that? And then also like how young do people try to come to you to change things? It's, it's, uh, you know, I just posted today. It's really kind of like uh, one of the bane of our existences as plastic surgeons, you know, you see it in kids now, mm. like these tens, these teens are using these apps to, you know, to kind of warp their face or warp their body. Like you can make these apps are now warping your waist and making your butt, oh, bigger, yeah. your breast bigger. It is amazing. Yep. Like all this technology now, social media, all these filters and, you know, I'm just, I, it's just not real. Like, it's just crazy to me to see some patients. I know I've fallen on social media and they come in and I, it, they look completely different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, completely different. And they're asking me basically kind of recreate what them, what they see on filters. I'm not kidding. They, they want me to kind of do these things like stream down right. the jawline, you know, more lips, more fillers, the lips. So, they so they'll bring you a filter and say, can you make me look like this? 
not exactly like that. It's not exactly that point, but that's yeah. what they're trying to do. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's just what they're trying to do. I mean, it's, you know, it's I mean, I can see that happening. More, yeah. It's obviously much more common with facial, the facial filters and facial mm -hmm. fillers that we do for augmentation of whatever, or what parts, but um, for body kind of the same thing. I have patients come in they're like, you know, this is what my body looks like. This is what I did on the app. Can you make it look like this? Can you make it look like I'm like, you no, like a lot of hard work could make you look like this. And I right. can fix the other parts. It just, it's, it's, it just blows my mind. Every time I, someone shows that to me on their phone, like you got yeah, it's kind of sad. It is sad. It is sad. Yeah. It is. It's, it makes me nervous for my, my yes. kids. Um, you know, yes. uh, so I'm real careful about things like that. You know, I, I mean, you guys have daughters and my kids are much younger, but it's, you know, it's, I'd have my head in the sand if I didn't have those things out and know what right. was happening yes. and, and looking right. at them. And I show my kids sometimes like, this is crazy. Like we should never do this, you know? So they're already kind of mm -hmm. exposed to seeing mm -hmm. that and saying, well, mm -hmm. that's not right. You know? Um, but it is scary because um, you just don't really know where that's going to go. And these, mm -hmm. you know, all of these, you know, body dysmorphia type things that already exist, um, yes. you know, can get even, even worse. Um, well, body dysmorphia is a great word. I mean, people should look it up, but it is uh, rampant in uh, the realm of aesthetic surgery, what I do. And it's also yeah. very, very prevalent in bodybuilding. Oh, yeah. You know, I had it. A, yeah. I, I would say most bodies have some mild version of body dysmorphia. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm running around with a body fat 10%. I feel like I'm, I'm to say the yeah. word fat. Just... Yeah, there's, there is, I mean, there's obviously a sense of vanity in everybody that's kind of out there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's okay. Like, I, I think that's fine to have these goals, but you kind of have to like ride that line of reality yeah. and, and, um, you know, and be okay with that. But yeah, I mean, I, my friends and I that got done competing, we very much know that we had a lot of body dysmorphia. We look back and we're like, my gosh, like what's wrong with me? You know, cause it, it, it is, it's a big deal. Yeah. And, um, and it does, it should, you should seek help if that's something that you are, you know, experiencing for sure, because there are ways around that. And that's something that can be addressed properly. Um, so, uh, so back to kind of the, the filter thing, I, well, I guess back to some of the things that you do. So you do, um, a lot of, um, breast implants and things like that to help women. You said with fullness and, um, you know, maybe if they're just, they just want bigger breasts, um, for whatever reason, whether it's competing or just kind of feeling more secure with their bodies. Um, the question that I had from my world, so I had, I personally had implants in 2007, I immediately hated them. The day I, the, that day I asked my surgeon to take them out. I said, can you take, I hate these. I hated the way they felt. I, I could, I just, I, I think I went in for the wrong reason. I fractured my knee and I was in crazy competitor mode. And I thought, well, I'll just get implants that make me sit down. It was the wrong reason to go get implants. <laughs> so I just, one weekend I said, my, my boyfriend, it was my husband, my boyfriend at the time. I said, I'm getting implants. He's like, you are. And I said, yeah. He's like, when I said Friday, he's like, Okay. So <laughs> I went, <laughs> got my implants and I begged him to take them out. Um, and he's like, no, some people go through that. You know, you, I think you should just keep them. It's, it's a big change, you know? So he kind of talked me through that a little bit. I don't think he did a really excellent job at that, but you know, he sent me home. And, uh, and so three years later I ended up getting them taken out cause I still hated them. Um, but they, they made me very sick. And this is before, um, like, 
breast plant illness was like a thing and I didn't know. And so I was like, well, let me just take my, I got better immediately when I took them out, but I have a lot of autoimmune things going into that. Um, so I think that maybe flared that up or, or what have you, but I'm, I was good, you know, shortly after that and everything got better. Um, and so that was a big question in my world. I mean, they thought I had MS and all kinds of crazy madness. Um, but I got them taken out and that was better. Now I do have many, many friends that have them for years and they love them and they're fine. And I have always been like, well, that's great because that's, that's the, that's the most common scenario is that you're fine. So the question that I had for you was if somebody, if you suspect that as a surgeon, um, would, do you do explants? Do you suggest taking them out? What are, what are the, what's like the steps that you take when somebody comes to you? Cause now it's kind of even a buzzword now, you know, breast plant illness is, I don't know if you hear that or not, but you know, in, in the wellness kind of space it is. Um, so what, what do you advise like patients that might come to you for something like that? I'm happy to educate patients on, uh, mm-hmm. on the literature and the research that, uh, you know, that we have in uh, plastic surgery in our societies. Um, I don't argue with anybody who feels like their implants, they, if they have any question of taking their implants out, I do not argue with you. Yeah, I believe you. I believe even if you say you feel like your implants are causing you sick. Yeah. So you just get them take out. them out. I'm yeah. just, it's, I'm not, arg- there is no, if they expect a fight, I'm not fighting you. If you want yeah. them out, I'm happy to get them out. There and you do that problem. for them. You do that I, for them or you send them somewhere else? No, I do that for them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm happy to take them out and I, there is no question about it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. If they want to learn yeah. some information or they want to hear the, I was like, I'm sure you read all this. So I've read all this and then I'm like, what are we okay. talking about then? Let's just get them out. You want to get them out? Let's get them out. I'm not here to convince you Yeah. to keep them. That is, I, that is not what you're here for. You want them out. I'm here to provide a service. I can get them out. There might be some consequences of maybe some loose skin or stretched out, sure. you know, breast tissue that needs to be adjusted. You need to understand what's going to happen, you know, what kind mm-hmm. of incisions you're going to have. You know, you're going to lose volume, you're going to lose shape. It's something that you'll you'll never, ever look like you have breast implants ever again. You need to understand mm-hmm. these realities. And then yeah. as long as you understand that, you know, I'm good to go. Um, but yeah. I, I don't. I, and you support I'm them through to, that. I'm 100% supportive. You want them out? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Not arguing with you. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, and you can actually, so if you take them out, you could help them kind of look better. You could lift the skin or what have you at that Mm -hmm. time. Absolutely. And, um, so I've taken that. You've probably done that a couple of times (laughs) to take them out. Many, many, many times. Unfortunately, in the past couple of years, it's been more than I I, I ever expected. But, um, you know, with that said, that's still the number, the second most common procedure we do as, uh, as plastic surgeons in the United States, still, you know, breast implantation still random number two by far yeah in the world yeah. is probably almost number one you know the u.s is a lot more sensitive to the you know the so-called bii than mm-hmm. the world is the world just completely ignores it okay it's much more has much more of an audience in the united states yeah um and it's just the the liter- the it's just a different i guess uh belief of uh of um of the symptom all symptoms associated to it you know our society as a society doesn't say it doesn't exist. That's not what mm-hmm. we're saying. Mm-hmm. It's just, we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Cause there is a small subset of women who truly do get better. And if the implants are out. Yeah. Yeah. But there's and- also, there's also a subset of women who, who, uh, who get them out and actually feel worse. 
and then again, their implants back. And that's, that's, that, that is more of a common subset of patients that you guys on social media don't ever hear because these women on social media are like, Oh, my implants are calling me sick and I'm getting sick and they get them out. Guess what happens six months later? They come back to this guy here and put them back in. And are they saying that back on social media? They're not. Yeah. They're very quiet. Yeah, that needs to be talked about. It it happens a lot. And I would challenge all my colleagues, if you're watching this, tell me that it's not true. My plastering colleagues will tell you it's true. Is that all the loud ones that are are saying it's, you know, as soon as they get them back in, they don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to go down that route, but, you know, we're here to help patients and help them feel better. And if they feel better without the implants, get them out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's good that, I mean, and you're supportive and you're like, okay, whatever you need, we'll fix your skin or whatever we can do. Because at the end of the day, you want to, you are there to help them feel good and better and confident and all of that. But that's, that's a really interesting point about, you know, that's funny because I actually do have a friend who took hers out and then she got them put back in Mm -hmm. Um, because she, she was like, I can't stand this. Like, and she actually got them bigger the second time she put them back in. <laughs> because, um, because to each his own. Yeah, yeah. And I'm um, telling you, this is a secret. This is not a secret. I'm just telling you, it happens more than you think. You know that that needs to be talked about. That could because I think more. Well, I'm actually are- I'm actually very concerned to talk about it because then you have you kind of inflame the inflame the people that really feel like this is a this is a need that all women should have their implants out. Yeah, you know, that's, well, that's, there's a very, very loud subset of women who feel that they have BII and they get their implants out and they feel like all women, they feel, they strongly, strongly believe all women with implants should have all their implants out. And they, mm-hmm. they get very vocal and, and very angry. And I, that's, that's not, that's, a, I just don't want that kind of attention. I, I'm here to help you. Yeah. You know, if you feel better with implants, great. And if you don't want implants, happy to take them out. You, you know, I just want to, yeah. you know, help, you know, help You're women feel help better about feel themselves. Better. Sure. That's it. And, and I do know the, you know, breast implants have been around for ages and ages. Um, and, uh, I got, and that was the other question that I had too about breast implants was how often do you have to get them redone? Cause you know, you hear that, you know, every 10 years or, you know, whatever the case, I don't know, I don't know anything new about that information. And that was a question like, once you have implants, what's the suggestion? Like how often should you come in, get them checked? Do you have to get them redone? Um, mm-hmm. how does that work? So that's a myth that's required to, to remove them every 10 years. That's actually not, not true, especially okay. for the generation of implants we have right now. Implants are made like kind of like iPhones. They just get better every generation. Yeah. Um, currently on our fifth generation. And um, these the newer style implants of generation three and four and five, you know, you can run these implants over with a car and they're totally mm. fine. They're extremely strong, very durable. They're designed to not rupture. Um, they're designed for softness and feel and a look. Um, these are, I would say 95% of implants in the United States are going to be a silicone product versus a saline mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. Um, they perform a little bit different. They look and feel a little bit different. Um, but they both, you know, you know, a lot of women, uh, have, uh, these procedures with implants. Yeah. It's, um, but if you have, as long as you age, you know, your, your body have doesn't change over time. Like you're not gaining a lot of weight. You don't have multiple kids. Your implants can be fine typically, mm-hmm. but what's going to change is your body around it. You know, oh, your, yeah. your, your skin gets a little bit looser. You lose some breast tissue with pregnancies or you, you lose some weight and your breast tissue gets a little bit looser over the implant. That, that happens a lot more often than you think. Women who are just tired of having, um, you know, they just don't want to have bigger implants anymore. They want to downsize. And so they downsize a little bit. That's happens probably the most often you think. 
But then plants like in the 70s and 80s, those implants were made a little more of a liquid silicone. And those, when they ruptured, they kind of make a mess with around the implant. They don't, silicone doesn't like run around your body. It's mm-hmm. not true. It doesn't run around your body. It stays in, it's within the capsule, the scar bag that forms around mm-hmm. the implant stays in there. Um, so those implants obviously will have problems. <laughs> but the new implants, I don't know if you've heard, and Roland would tell you this, that yeah. they call them like the gummy bear. So it's like- I have you know, heard you that have, term. You have that gummy bear and you like, you cut it in half and it stays completely, you know, there. sort of in that same state. It doesn't leak out at all. Yeah. Um, that's the newer technology. So if it did happen to rupture, it just stays. Yep. And then if you if it does it. rupture for some reason, it's going to, you won't even know it. The yeah. most common cause of, for an implant rupture is it's called iatrogenic, which means it's caused at the implantation of surgery. So, oh. we have, you know, a surgeon accidentally touches it with a needle or actually grabs it with a sharp instrument. That's yeah. the most common cause for a rupture to happen. It's okay. not just, just being in your body. It's extremely yeah. unlikely. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just uh, the nature of the implants are so, so, so strong. It, I mean, you can get in a car accident and break every bone in your body and your implants will be fine. It's yeah. just amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, so that that is a myth. You don't have to go get them redone as long right. as you're doing yeah. fine and they look fine and you feel fine. Um, then you don't have to get them redone because that's always been a myth. Um, yeah. And uh, I was never. To me, it amazes it amazes me it's persisted so long. <laughs> yeah, um, that's it weird. is. Uh, it's quite quite interesting. But um, you know, the, like for Corey's, uh, she has the latest generation of implants. Mm-hmm. You know, these implants are pretty much going to die with her. That's she right. Needs- going to the grave with them. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to look great. They're going to look great. As long as she maintains her body, they're going to stay where they put them. And um, we go through, you know, maybe we can touch on that, but exercising, there's some exercise that cause problems with moving implants. Yeah. You know, that was the next question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a very, uh, that's one of my soapboxes is uh, mm-hmm. as a plastic surgeon who kind of specialized in bodybuilders with implants. It's when I first started getting the bodybuilding, I noticed women who were bodybuilders who had implants under the muscle Mm-hmm. And they've been training their chest just like guys do. Yeah. And what happens yeah. that implant gets, you know, pushed out to the side and ends up on their lats. Oh. And that's a problem. It's because they've been training their chest. And this is like one of my big, my big soapboxes. Don't train your chest. If you have implants on your muscle, please don't do it. Okay. So you, you said, know. say that again. So don't train your chest. If you have implants under the don't, muscle. Correct. Don't train your chest for the purpose of getting stronger. If you have implants under your muscle, which okay. is 95% of time for augmentation, we're putting implants under the muscle partially. Yeah. Yeah. That was the other question. What do you suggest under or over? Yeah. So for, so, you know, chest press, chest flies and dips, those three exercises put a tremendous amount of force on the chest, on the pectoralis major. And really there's nothing really stopping that muscle from pushing that implant to the side. I mean, I did a revision surgery not on Monday. On Monday, she had, you know, bodybuilder for 20 years. She had implants under her muscle. She said no one ever, her doctor never told her not to do like chest up and she was doing chest up. And when I had her, you know, she lay on the table on her back, her implants were on her lats. They're on her lats. Wow. That's a problem. So that's something I can fix. And so that's now, that's what I tend to do now more often is as a, that's kind of an expert in breast and body. I'm doing a lot more reconstructive surgery, which is kind of mm-hmm. what I normally do, what I used to do. Reconstructive yeah. surgery for aesthetic purposes. So I'm fixing that, you know, re- putting the implant where it should be again and fixing that space, making sure it doesn't happen again. But those kind, those patients, we have a very hard, hard talk, kind of real talk, kind of come mm-hmm. to Jesus talk. You're done training your chest forever. Yeah. Like you're done. Yeah. That's you super find- important. It um, is very important. I, I, 
I'm happy to kind of preach that all day to everyone and, and yeah. everyone who comes. But I mean, working, if you're a bodybuilder, you'll put them over the so muscle. So there's two two athletes that do implants over your muscle, and that's a bodybuilder, women's bodybuilding, and women's physique, mm-hmm. and then powerlifters. Yeah, powerlifters. Those women for for bodybuilding specifically, they're judged on the muscle density mm-hmm. of their pecs. Mm-hmm. They're judged on the striations of their chest, so they have to train their chest. So having an implant on top of the muscle does not compromise your ability to train your chest. They can get, they can train all day. It makes no difference if they train. And it'll chest. stay where it's put. Yeah, but okay. the consequence of having an implant on your mu- on top of your muscle is that that weight of that implant really is only supported by your skin. Mm. And so, if you can imagine a breast implant that weighs you know 400, 500 cc's, over time, over twenty years, those implants are kind of on your on your abdomen. Yeah, it's just the nature of heavy breasts. I mean, it's sure. age, age. Gravity. You got these yeah. two things pulling you down. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to stop it. It is what it is. That's that's a consequence. Have implants on top of your muscle, but when you have mm-hmm. an implant under your muscle, the the muscle holds the scar tissue around the implant up. So resist the force of gravity. or Resist the force of the aging descent of the of the soft tissue changes. So you know some some women are like, I can't believe you put implants under the muscle and, and bodybuilders. Everyone. If you're my patient and you're a bodybuilder and you're not a physique or you're not a bodybuilder, you're going to get implants partially on your muscle and you'll have breasts that look great, not just on stage, but in the rest of your career and your life all the time time as you age. Because most, I tell my athletes all the time, your, your, your time in bodybuilding is going to be a flash in your life. So talking about maybe two or three years max for most people, max, it's not, Mm -hmm. she's rare, (laughs) right? But usually we're not talking about the overachiever next to you. Okay. We're talking about normal people. (laughs) But that's the reality of it. Most careers for most bodybuilders is going to be, you know, three to five years, something like that. So Mm -hmm. they need to have, you know, breasts that are that they be happy with really for the rest of their lifetime. And that's kind of the goal for at least in my answer, breast augmentation is that you will have a result that you're going to love for the rest of your life. That's going to age very well with you, that your implants stay put where you where I put them that you're not training your chest and pushing your implants out the side. So I don't have to fix it 10, 15 years from now. Yeah. It's, um, it's I love that information because that is not common information because, you know, you go to surgeons and I mean, even when I did and he's like, Oh yeah, just go ahead and just train whatever, you know? And, and, um, obviously I didn't have mine long enough. They didn't think they didn't do anything to my skin. It was fine. I genetically, I think I have good skin elasticity. So I was, I was fortunate there. Um, but, at the same rate, I mean, he was just like, yeah, just go ahead. And that's most girls. And I, I, I can see a lot of people I know right now that they, I can see them kind of move and they're just steady training chest hard. That's really, I'm going to clip that. And I'm going to make sure everybody the word. that. <laughs> I, I literally have like four or five videos on YouTube about this. Yeah. I talk about social media all the time. And even, I mean, my videos are very specific. Don't do these three exercises. You can do whatever yes. else you want. Don't do these three exercises. I get, I, it's almost on a daily basis. Well, what can I do? Can I do this? I'm like, yes, you can do that. Yeah. Like, you can, like, I have a bunch of people on the, in, as firefighters, as, um, as military, they have to do push-ups. my CrossFit mm-hmm. people. And if you're a CrossFit person, they have, CrossFit. To do, they have to do burpees. They have to do, you know, whatever that swinging, like pull up thing is. Pull up. You can, <laughs> you can do all that because that's mm-hmm. body weight. Body weight. I have no issues with body weight is not going to cause this problem. We're talking about training with weight Mm-hmm. For a purpose of getting stronger. Sure. That is the key phrase. Yeah. If you're training your, your your chest to get stronger with with weight mm-hmm. or machines that are heavy, it, that's exactly. the problem. You do that over years. It might happen in 
in five years. It might happen in 10 years. It might happen in two. I've seen mm -hmm. someone do it in two years. Mm -hmm. I've seen it happen. Wow. Wow. And she's like, I wish I would have met you before. I'm like, me too. So I got to fix it <laughs> yeah. now. And then you got to, you know, spend all this extra money for me to fix it. And then um, yeah. and it, it changes your lifestyle and how you train. But I tell my women, you know, who, who are interested in breast augmentation or athletes, like use that time that you would train your chest, do something else, do your you shoulders, train your booty, train your butt. <laughs> yeah. You know, butts like, are in now, right? <laughs> there's so many other things to do with that. You know, maybe 15 minutes of your time, which you would have done your chest. Now yeah. I just gave you a gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can have a better butt because of me yes. <laughs> more often. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that is really great information um, for the breast implants because I mean, even coming from, you know, my own, this little fitness world that I do now, i obviously I work out every day. Um, and lots of my friends and, and clients, they have implants and, um, that's really valuable information. I'm glad well, that please, you shared please that. Spread the word. Say Dr. Morales talks about it, but you know, <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's just me and my experience, you know, it's, you know, I feel like I'm kind of unique and then I'm a bodybuilder. I, my wife's yeah. a bodybuilder. My yes, wife has absolutely. implants. <laughs> yep. My wife has implants that I put in. Yeah. You know, I, these are things I, I intimately know, like, yeah, you can't yeah. argue with me when I have, when I have personal trainers trying to mouth off to me and saying, Oh, you know, that's not true. I'm like, bro, like, <laughs> no. why would anybody argue with you about that? You're like, because they're trying at, to save my, life. Athletes, my athletes go back to their trainers or trainers like, Oh yeah, Dr. Brown, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, rah, 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 I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm like, listen, <laughs> You, you just, you just don't know. And I'm like, bless your heart. No, yeah. no, he's, he's not right. Listen to your, listen to your doctor Yeah, absolutely. and go find another trainer. And if your trainer is going to give you that hard of a time about it, you have the wrong trainer. And that's basically what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that information. Um, I could keep you guys here all day. I just have a few more questions um, sure. from the people uh, and for myself too. Um, I want to talk. Okay. So, so that's probably the most common that you do for women. And you said like Tommy talks and, you know, like the mommy makeover kind of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and then what about the guys? I know um, what's the most common procedure for the men that you do um, in your office. I do. Um, it's called gynecomastia, which is uh, the breast gland for on men. And yeah. some, some guys genetically have more breast tissue than others. And, mm -hmm. you know, it can be very uncomfortable. It can be very painful. It's more of a cosmetic issue where it's a little more fullness at ballism. Um, you know, it's very prevalent in the bodybuilding industry because, you know, guys get really, really lean mm -hmm. and you basically have skin fat and you have yeah. this little, this little nugget of, of breast tissue that, and they can't diet hard enough to make it go away because it won't. Oh yeah. There's you can no, see that on stage and we all know yeah. we're like, you know, um, it is, that you, you know, can't do you can't make it go away. Yeah, as a judge, I'm sure you yeah. see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the you time. know, it's a it's a cosmetic eyesore. You know, some of the guys that you know um, are sensitive to the the effect of uh, glandular hypertrophy, where the gland grows, mm -hmm. is very obvious on stage. And I think the judges might even pull them aside and say, "Hey, you need to kind of get that fixed," because <laughs> yeah. they they those guys tend to take these medications to suppress the estrogen mm -hmm. to to decrease inflammation, which is actually very toxic. Mm -hmm. That medication, we start taking high doses, it causes a lot more problems than they realize. And really the answer is just, just let me remove it. Just let me cut it out for you. And then, and you're done. And then yeah. you get that confidence on stage back. And it's, I, I love working with my guys because you do the surgery for them and the next season they come out and man, they're just like chest is up and they're flexing <laughs> up and they're not, yeah. they're posing better because they're not oh, hiding. Yeah. They're not trying to hide it. You know, you, you've seen it as a judge. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You can, you can definitely see it. And if they come back the next year and they've had something that they've had that procedure done, I mean, it's, 
they have the same, they could have the same physique, but it yeah. it goes from a, you know, from a seven to a 10, just yeah. by, just by their confidence alone, standing Correct. up there, exactly um, right. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and if you, again, if you guys that are listening um, to this, go back to Dr. Morales, YouTube, you've got some patient um, stories on there. And I watched yeah. one of one of the guys that you did. And, you know, he talked about how he would have his, his wife stand in front of him in pictures and how much more confident mm-hmm. he is. And that's, I think that's probably, you know, that's obviously your mission and so rewarding Very um, rewarding for you to be able to have people just love their own life and love where they're mm-hmm. at right now. Absolutely. Um, to, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and so I wanted to talk about Botox real quick. Um, do you do Botox? I know it's not like plastic surgery thing, but I've heard you talk about it a little bit and there's lots of questions about it. Um, so do you do that in your office? I do. I still do my own work. They're called injectables. So fillers, you know, cosmetic fillers, which are soft tissue, hyaluronic acid fillers for mm-hmm. usually for the face, um, yeah. toxins, to- with toxins, kind of a catch all term for Botox and Dysport. You know, it's a new one called Daxi that just came out. Um, and so these are for cosmetic purposes of the face and for like the toxins, like Botox is one of them. It mm-hmm. relaxes the muscles of the face that cause wrinkling. Mm-hmm. So typically the treatment areas are kind of being the forehead on the side of your eyes, you know, maybe between the nose, those kind of things. And so yeah. it just helps you look a little more rested, a little bit, uh, less angry. Maybe, um, <laughs> it does kind of, it, I call it preventative aesthetic medicine and okay. that it helps you look a little bit younger, longer. Yeah, because you're not frowning so hard. You don't. You look a little more rested. It, it does help, um, but it's something that's uh, it's, it's you got to do it. You know, on a scheduled basis. Most most of the toxins last between three or four months. Mm-hmm. You got to go back and get it done again to maintain the effect. It's not a permanent medicine. Um, that same, would be nice. <laughs> yeah. So Corey's on a schedule. I'm on a schedule for sure. So what's I'm on your, a schedule. Okay. <laughs> so, he does his own injections. It's crazy. You do. Of course. Oh, that's crazy. My, my problem is I, I do things on myself to try and, you know, make sure things I feel safe mm. and I'm, you know, comfortable doing to my family members. And yeah. So I tend to do things, try things on myself, try, you know, different needles and what's comfortable or what, you know, it's pretty much to anything. I got that from my dad. That's, that's but, awesome. Um, you know, um, from, from that little statement real quick, I did, I did watch um, one of your interviews and you said um, how, I think it was with, um, Lee Labrada, and you were saying how you're never fully satisfied. And, you know, you, of course, you're proud of your work, but like, you just always want to do better. You want to do better. You want to do better. And you're a constant student. Um, and I love that, uh, about you too. Um, you know, like you said about just training chest and you just so paying attention to detail. And now we all know that Dr. Morales injects his own face so that he can provide safety to his own patients and friends. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It is. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when would you say to start getting Botox? Like, I mean, obviously everybody's going to be a little different and there's, you know, genetics that come into play. Um, but what would be like the average? Um, I'll say the average, the average age right now is probably in the mid thirties. Okay. You know, early, you know, forties. Um, I, I, we have, uh, we have a spa in our, my group practice that we have, and we, you know, I'm very much a proponent of, uh, anti-aging and mm-hmm. looking younger, longer. So skincare is like the number one thing. Like as soon as I got out and I could afford it, I had Corey on a skincare regimen. That's, that's yeah. why she still looks like she's 30, even though she's a lot older than that. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's on a regimen. I have her on a schedule. My job is to make sure she looks younger as long as possible. So with, so 
with the Botox. Um, mm -hmm. and so how often do, do you, Corey, do you, are, what, what's your schedule like from your husband for, for the Botox? My husband, <laughs> whatever he says, schedule. actually, how yeah. often is it? I don't know. <laughs> so she's, she's every two months, every two months. And, um, the reason for that is this isn't, it's an educational point is that it's a medicine, your body metabolizes it. The more active you are, Either you're just very animated and you're always angry, like lawyers are always pissed off and you're always angry. And so they that's they a very frown. broad statement. <laughs> they frown a lot. And so they they move the muscle, which burns the, the medicine. Uh, mm -hmm. my crossfitters and my hot yoga people, they're the worst. Oh like they're just sweating it out. Like they're in the outside in the you know, 110, you know, Houston humidity, sweating it out basically. And so for them, they're they're gonna last maybe six to eight weeks max. Corey, I mean, she, she trains her butt off every day. She's, you know, she's doing cardio and then she's doing weight training and she's very already. She's kind of looks like this all the time. Sometimes. I mean, her RBF is real. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so she's on a two month schedule for her and same thing for me. I'm on a two month schedule just because I'm very pensive. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a, a very pensive look and people think I'm pissed off all the time. I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I'm he thinking. has RBF too. I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. I just, but yeah, but I'm, the point I'm is like, thinking. The faster your metabolism, basically, yeah. and the more active you are, the faster you're going to burn through it, the more often yeah. you need it. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, it's kind of like who's in the office who just kind of, you know, doesn't want off stuff, has normal kind of lifestyle. It's going to last you three to four months before you got to redo it. But if you're very active, my, my athletes specifically, I'm talking to you mm -hmm. athletes, you know, you're you should expect two, three, one, three months max, and yeah. it's very dose dependent. If you do a little bit, you're going to just burn through it faster. You do a little bit more, not so much. So what's the average, like, what, I guess, what's the average dose for somebody like Corey or for like myself? I don't have it. I got a nice little webcam here. You guys can't see me. <laughs> but, um, but Lord knows I need some. Um, so what would be, let's like, what's the average dose? Like if I was to come in there and I've never had Botox before, yeah. um, and I'm 41 years old and, yeah. uh, you know, I got a forehead full of wrinkles. They're not too deep yet. But what would be like the average that you would you would say to start? Well, it, it comes down to the technician who's doing it, right? My 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 uh, recommendations always stay something very natural appearing. You know, I okay. don't want to make you look frozen. I want you still have expression to your face. I want mm -hmm. you to look not not weird. Yeah, because I'm um, expressive. So like if you're yeah yeah, and if you're 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 we call a newbie to it. Uh -huh. You know, you're probably being a dose most likely between thirty to thirty five units. And it would mm -hmm. be treating your forehead here a little bit on the side of your eyes, okay. like here in the middle between your eyes. That's yeah. a filler. That's a filler. Area. That's a filler. That's, That's a, a filler. filler. Yeah. So these now, are Botox Botox. Goes here, here, and here, and here. And, and so for Corey, as as uh, as intense as she is, you know, she's at fifty. <laughs> she's at fifty because she's. It, I need to use a little bit more to last a little bit more longer. More is better. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> she needs to last a little bit longer just because she trains so hard. And if I only yeah. did 30 on her, she'd be doing it every month. And it's just, there's, there's, you know, yeah. so I just, I spread that 50 out a little more area and she still is able mm -hmm. to smile and raise her eyebrows and do things look normal. Um, yeah. Guys, we, guys, we tend to use more just because we're so, we have more muscle tone. We need more for me. I'm yeah. 60. I do 60 on my, I have a big forehead and you know, I, I have very pensive kind of uh, glabellar muscles. And so I, I use a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I'm an athlete, so I, I train every day. So I, I use a little more high dose than normal. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Corey, your your face looks great. And that's, you know, your, your skin, your face, your your forehead. I'm always like, oh, it's just, your forehead looks so great. Um, <laughs> but 
but it also just kind of harkened on skincare. So Corey's yeah. in my spa, you know, religiously, she's doing scheduled yeah. lasers. We're doing schedules, uh, deep cleaning of her face. We're changing, I'm changing her, her products of skincare on almost a yearly basis to constantly mm. get her skin to uh, reacclimate to a new type of uh, product. Just, just tweak it a little bit. Yeah. Because your body gets acclimated to products or medications, stuff like that. So I always kind of tweak it with a different type of, uh, you know, different kind of a cocktail of uh, skincare. Okay. But it's important. That's- skincare is probably the most the most important thing you can do as a as someone who's concerned about their aging mm-hmm. that you can do. And it's you know and it's sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I do definitely sunscreen. Sunscreen my face. I, I use a little bit of self face self tanner, so it, it looks mm-hmm. a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I look pretty dull yeah. if I don't have any. Um, <laughs> but so you said skincare, so that would be like the first step. So you offer that in your. Um, yep. practice as mm-hmm. well. So is that something people have to come to you to see, like to get skincare or can mm-hmm. they just, yeah. they have to come in your office? Yeah, they come, we have two spas in uh, the city, in our, in our city in Houston associated to our clinics. And so mm-hmm. we have a uh, great skincare lines. Uh, these are all medical grade products. So you're not, it's not stuff you can go buy at Dillard's or yeah. Macy's or Walgreens. You know, we in our practice, we only carry stuff and we only use devices that actually work. Yeah, I'm not I, we will not sell you snake oil. Like yeah. this stuff works. You know yeah. these all these companies that we buy these these uh, products from or devices. They spend thousand thousand hundred thousand dollars on research to show that their product works, so that you know HCPS surgeons will use it. Because if it doesn't show that it works, don't even come in our don't don't walk through our door. We don't want you. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we take a lot of pride in that because we care for our patients. We want our patients yeah. to have the best and things that work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and obviously that comes along line with all of your, with all of your work. So I guess I never really thought about going to a plastic surgeon for skincare. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't think that you think of, you know, like, Oh, I got to get skincare from somebody. I don't, I mean, I'm clueless. Um, well, a, lot of, a lot of surgeons don't have spas associated to their okay. clinics. That's, that, that is a very well-known fact, okay. but some of the more premier practices do. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I would like dermatologists to, as well. Yeah. Dermatologists mm-hmm. are by far the, the skincare doctors, basically. Right. Yeah. But a lot of the skincare that we do is more for, you know, rejuvenation and anti-aging. It's not like, you know, uh, some of the stuff dermatologists do is a little bit different. They, yeah. they, we overlap quite a bit, a little bit in, the, in some realms of uh, skincare. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our job as aesthetic surgeons is to help you look younger, longer. And so it, it's yeah. symbiotic, actually. Yeah. It's symbiotic. Oh, I wish I was in Houston. Fun fact: <laughs> I uh, w- I was born in San Antonio. Nice. You're Texan. All right. I've been in Michigan for most of my life, but I was born here. Um, yeah. So, so I love all this information. Um, so you do your Botox every few months, and you will kind of obviously help each each person that comes through and, and suggest what they should get done. And, and if you're a newbie like me, you might start kind of smaller and kind of see where my body gets going. And, and you don't want to like freak me out. And, right. you know, at first right. it's kind of like a slow thing. Um, and then you also suggested like, you know, like the, is it like facials and things like that? So like what Corey, what do you get on like a monthly basis, I guess, maybe a longer, maybe every three months or whatever your husband decides to put you on regimen. Yeah, not everybody has a husband that puts lady on tells me again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have a sister in practice that kind of have been taking care of her for a while. So she's on a scheduled basis of uh, kind of a deep cleaning uh, device that kind of cleans mm-hmm. her pores out, helps 
stimulate the collagen. We have a very mild laser to kind of just take away the, the fine, uh, the fine kind of surface of the skin, mm -hmm. help the younger skin to kind of come through. I just started on a new device that uh, transmits energy into her soft tissue of uh, the undersurface of her skin to help her wow. skin shrink. So it's kind of um, slowing down the aging process of the jowling uh, and the loosening of the neck. It's non-surgical and it yeah. just helps kind of do this a little bit, just a little bit. So, so I've done two of three of those treatments yeah. and it's not for the faint of heart, y'all. It, it hurts. Like, it does. It hurts. But it's like, you know, we're willing the price to- price of beauty. That, that's yeah. right. That's right. We're willing to endure a little pain to get yeah. that result. So that's I mean, I totally would recommend it, but, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean. Corey's kind of unique. She's super tough and I knew she could do it. So, but yeah. um, it's gonna, these little things you want to, you know, we start a little bit earlier. I start a little bit mm -hmm. earlier with her because, you know, I get to see her over time, but started earlier and we just kind of, you know, I'm trying to delay what's inevitable, which is surgical rejuvenation. Right. Yeah. At some point she's, she might want to consider having, you know, this. Yeah. And that's where I come to play, but I'm, I can slow it down. I think by at least 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, I, I work with a cardiologist, um, and that he was on not too long ago about heart health. And he's like, the one thing you can't change is age. He's no. like, that's the only factor you can't change. You can change everything else. But unfortunately you seem like you're doing a really good job at helping that, um, helping everybody through that process. So I guess that was, that was kind of my questions about that. Gosh, I wish I was in Houston. Um, <laughs> but if you guys are people from all over, come on down. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe I will, but uh, if you guys are in the Houston area, definitely go check him out. Um, I think you have such a well-rounded um, practice and and life. I mean, you guys are simply amazing. I posted. I was so excited that you guys came on. You know, and another thing I want to I want to mention before I let you guys go because I know you guys got a lot to to do um, is that Corey, you were so humble to to come on, and you're like, I. I followed you and I messaged you and you immediately followed me back and and you were just and I felt like we were like friends like actually friends yeah. and I love that because oh, you know a lot of you. people aren't like that I'm very much like that like you know I take I take messages very seriously and we you know when people message me on social media I don't just ignore it and I, I'm very friendly and I, I do consider like hey you know it's like I just met this person um but I wanted to kind of make sure that you know that that's unique um, especially kind of in your position. And I just really wanted to tell you that, you know, you, you brought that kind of personal, um, side of it. And immediately I felt comfortable around you and you were very receptive and very kind and very sweet. And, um, and then, you know, Dr. Morales for you to take the time to come on and hopefully help educate, you know, some more of my listeners and kind of get your mission and your word out there. Um, so I do greatly appreciate you. And I wanted to ask you about one more thing was your uh, Morales for foundation, because you not only are all of these other things, husband, father, <laughs> virgin, all the things you are a photographer, which also makes people feel amazing. <laughs> yes. And, um, and fun fact, I have my, my company is living fit and I do photo shoots. Uh, I don't do them, but I have people come in and do them for my clients and we just do it for fun and for empowering women. And when I saw that you did that, obviously your next level, we just do it for fun here in, in CrossFit gym. Um, and I'm like, Oh, it's so awesome because I have always said, that's the one thing I missed about competing was the photo shoots and, and yeah. the, the getting glammed up and feeling awesome. And I just think everybody should feel that way. Um, and you do that for your patients and you have a foundation 
um, behind that. Uh, and so tell us really quickly about your kind of mission with that um, Morales sure. Foundation. Yeah. Well, the, the, my empowering photo shoots for my patients only, it's really just going to build on their confidence they, uh, from the surgeries that they had with me. And it just kind of give them a, just help them feel better. Most women have never done a photo shoot before, but mm -hmm. it's really, really make them, you know, feel like a million dollars and kind of show it off a little bit for them, either for friends or family, whatever, and social media, it doesn't really matter to me, but yeah, I really get, I find it very rewarding. I have a waiting list, like over, I think it's over 80 now. Oh my gosh. Um, so I do, I'm doing 10 at a time. So I have my next one coming up next weekend, actually. Okay. And uh, we're going to have 10 uh, beautiful patients come out and uh, we're going to do some, uh, some great, get some great images and, um, yeah. you know, show a little bit of confidence in the world. Uh, that's uh, separate from what my foundation is. My foundation is in honor of my dad. Mm. And the idea is to kind of, you know, I feel like I've been so blessed in the years I've put in and really kind of inspired by him. Um, to do what I get to do every day. And I'm, I'm literally living the dream. You know, I have an amazing mm -hmm. wife, and amazing kids. You know, I get to do my dream job. You know, I'm helping patients. You know, everything he told me, he told me like, son, they're going to be knocking down your door. You know, just do good work. I promise you. And that's, that's exactly what's happening. And I'm just so blessed and thankful. And so now I feel financially, you know, uh, capable of, of doing a surgical mission trip, um, mm -hmm. kind of giving back to my roots, which is helping children. Yeah. And I uh, don't have the money to, to do have reconstructive surgery. Mm. So my first trip is going to be in uh, Guadalajara, which is going to be in April, uh, April 12th. Next month. Next month. Next month. That's and, coming up. Uh, I'm bringing my team that I, my practice, I have 15 of my team members. We're going and I have two fellows that I train and they're my aesthetic fellows. So they're going to be helping me. And so we're going to hopefully work on, work with 10 kids from, uh, you know, babies that have like syndactyly where their fingers are fused to, yeah ears that are misshapen to, you know, traumatic or burn scars of their face or neck or body. And, um, when I'm trying to help these kids and, you know, working on, um, on doing this on a yearly basis, like this is, this is me trying to get back and getting back to my roots of why I want to be a plastic surgeon is really, and I love kids and the yeah. impact it has on families and their lives, right. you know, not just in function, but really in their confidence is, mm -hmm. uh, to me, very, very, very rewarding. And I hope my legacy and my kids will remember this that, you know, patients remember that Dr. Morales, you know, gave back. He just didn't make money. Yeah. Right? He's, he's actually has other, you know, you know, good things in his, in his life to do. And um, this is something I'm going to do every year for the rest of my career. And it's going to keep getting bigger. Um, yeah. You know, my next, my, my next time I come, sorry. <laughs> Our light keeps timing out. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, That's, so I'm super, and, I'm super pumped. I'm, it's been a uh, been a long time coming, and uh, COVID this is your was, first uh, one. This is my your first one. one. COVID okay. put uh, put a halt to it in 2019, actually. Yeah, 2020, yeah. Um, just 2020. because of the way it, it hit Mexico a little bit harder than it did the states, and so yeah, you know, um, it just was kind of a fiasco. So now we're able to kind of get back to plan, and it's all set up. I have a great team. I have two operating rooms I'm going to be using. I have an amazing uh, staff over there ready to go. Um, I've got the whole itinerary scheduled out. It's, uh, I just, just so excited. It's going to be fun. I, I love that. And, and I mean, you can literally change the trajectory of those children's lives. Yes. And like you said, their family, I mean, not only like the, the people that you help with plastic surgery, whether it's an implant or, you know, uh, a body sculpting or, or what have you, that can change the trajectory of somebody's life as well, yeah. obviously. Um, but those kids, man, that, that just like brings me to tears. Um, you guys are so, so very blessed. And I mean, gosh, Indeed. 
what amazing couple. Um, Thank you. I, <laughs> I'm so excited uh, for, for both of you guys and, you know, specifically, you know, that, that kind of thing for both of you. Um, and I'm just so happy that you got to come on. I could ask you a million yeah. more questions, but I won't hold you up <laughs> any longer. Um, I'll post everywhere that anybody can, can find you. Um, and I was going to kind of ask you about your daily schedule and stuff like that, but I think you have all of that kind of on your YouTube and you kind of document yeah. um, how that goes. So definitely everybody who's on here, whether you're listening on podcast or YouTube, go subscribe. Um, and you have a podcast. Is it, uh, is it a podcast or is it just your YouTube? It's uh, just my YouTube, but you know, I'm committed to education and motivation. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm recently, I've been kind of finding out people that inspire me to talk talk about just real you know issues related to um to wellness and fitness or positive surgery and you know some I, I, it's a great platform youtube is a great platform for that yeah um, so I, I think it's a great medium to for people to kind of get to get to know me a little bit and how i talk i i, I get the comment all the time that i look and talk just like i i, I am on social media and youtube which i that's just <laughs> me. that way i mean I, i'm very i don't really change i don't think but um yeah it's uh well, it's you- a it's it's the way people are learning now. And I, I, am yeah. uh, guilty of it. I, I'm on YouTube university all the time. Like my new topic, maybe we, could talk, <laughs> maybe we could talk about this later, but my new topic right now is, um, women optimizing women into perimenopause and menopause. Like that is that my new, be a whole nother show. Yes. yes. I'm telling you, yes. I, ask her like every time <laughs> she sees me downstairs eating breakfast, I'm listening to a podcast on, <laughs> On training, we're trying to be smart about it. Training, <laughs> fitness, the metabolisms of the female going into perimenopause. I think, and we could talk about this all day. I, I've literally, yeah, watched, let's not go there now. You don't want to get into this. I've, I've literally, in the past two weeks, I've probably listened to about 12 hours of, uh, of this on YouTube. Yeah. I've got a book, got a couple books now, so I'm reading those. So it's a, it's yeah, gonna be I can't another, wait. So there's another rabbit hole of kind of, or I've unfortunately started. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe you guys can come back on and share that yeah. Um, at, yeah. at one point, because that, that is something I, I told my husband, I said, um, you know, cause you know, he, he, like anybody else, like what's, what's your goals with your podcast? I'm like, I just want to bring the conversations out to people. Yeah. Um, I have this fun little unique advantage of kind of being in this wellness space and this CrossFit space. And then I bodybuild and, you know, and, you know, I, I worked at the Arnold many, many years and I had sponsorships mm-hmm. and all the things. So I, I kind of have all of these things and I'm like, there needs to be less division, more communication, more mm-hmm. education, um, and bringing more people like you guys to my listeners and just to, to be able to kind of follow along. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit selfish too. I'm like, I'm 41. I want to learn something. And yeah. I want to go into, you know, that perimenopause stage that I'm not yet. Um, <laughs> but I want to be ahead of the game. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. It's, so it's a huge part of anti-aging and it's yeah. underappreciated. I listen Very to some, some stuff, but obviously I won't be able to retain and, um, and communicate it and articulate it the way that you, um, can. So maybe you can come back on um, in a little while and talk about that subject alone because Lord knows we all need it. And, um, and I'm here for it because I'm, I'm here to do all the things. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, this one's bless her heart. She's going to be my Guinea pig. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I mean. You guys are going to come back on you're going to tell us what you're going to tell oh, us yeah. how it's going and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the levels of training and, you know, and all, and all of those things, because, um, and I will leave on this note, but my husband and I talk about this and I am a full, a firm believer that we have so much education and so much 
proper information if you find the right people and um and and whatnot um we don't know what it's going to be like for us aging because we only have the people that were ahead of us we are in such different places and we know how to take care of our bodies and so we don't really know what aging is actually going to fully look like like where our kids get to say oh like my mom and dad looked like this when you know 50 was so old when we were younger and now we're you know, you don't even look old. <laughs> so, so, you know, we don't really know. Um, we, we're kind of stepping into this new, this new space of, you know, aging well. So um, I'm excited to, to learn from you guys. So definitely come back on and, and share that, but everybody else can find you and watch your YouTubes and go follow you guys on social media. Cause you're both sharing a lot of amazing stuff and just, just heartwarming people. Like, I just wish I could just give you a hug. Um, <laughs> But thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for inviting us on. This was a Enjoyed fun it. time. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank so thank you so much. You guys are so blessed and we're blessed to have you. Um, everybody here, don't forget to like and subscribe and share this with everybody, you know, because everybody can use this. <laughs>